And we're back on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast with Podcast Guy. Wow, thanks for having me, man. Be talking to some of the fans up in the, the Pacific Northwest. Your Demi got him. Yeah. Pretty good, darling. Pretty good. Yo! We're the Voros twins. They know we like PCO to the horror show. Freaking me out, man. <laughs> Freaking me out, yo. We are leaving the station. L Train, take us out. Hey, yo, this is the L-Train. Uh, we're back for another great episode this week. Uh, I got the one and only PCO coming out here in just a little bit, but, uh, dude, I got a good brother standing by here. Special guest, the one and only, one half of the Bash Brothers, the sexy sheep, Dave Turner. Dude, how you doing, brother? I'm really good, Lyle. How are you? Dude, I'm doing really good. Uh, it's uh, after work here when we're recording this. Uh, glad to be talking to you again. It's been a while. A long while now yeah, since is. I've been to see you guys or even, you know, we, you know, we talked, you were one of the last podcasts before I went on hiatus, but uh, it's been uh, forever since I've got to, uh, you know, see you guys in person doing your thing, man. So uh, how you been during all this pandemic stuff? You know, I honestly can't complain. Uh, I think the first couple of months was kind of rough just getting into a new form of life, right? Uh, but probably month two, three I started to really kind of kick out and reignited my passion for collecting Masters of the Universe and, and He-Man stuff. Um, just tried tried my damnedest to keep as much Bash Brothers content going. Because, like, you know, we were supposed to have our first match in March before all of this stuff hit. And then that didn't happen. So it was kind of like, well, shit, we've got, no, we've got no footage of us as a team together. So how do we keep ourselves in the in the public's eye so it was just rolling out content starting our own podcast called what you're watching with the bash bros um, weekly content twitch streams youtube content it's just been so much with that and then i started working with alexander hammerstone on my fitness and nutrition so i started getting back in the the shape that i wanted to be in and Started the school and an apparel line called Dragonplex. So it's been, you know, it's been really, really rewarding, really good. I can't, you know, I know it sucks for a lot of people right now, but fortunately I can't say that it sucks for me. So, well, man, that's uh, really good for you, but you know, you, 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 you said something at the top there, you know, when I was growing up, man, uh, in elementary school way back, you know, years before you were a kid, man, um, <laughs> <laughs> I used to come home every day and it'd be uh, He-Man, Masters of the Universe, I think yep. at three, and then it was either 3.30 or 4 was Transformers for me, the 1980-some Transformers, you know? Yeah. But uh, when I started hearing you, you know, you're, you're collecting He-Man, you're, you're all into it, that kind of stuff, I was like, man, wasn't that a little past your time, but was there like newer cartoons at that time, or was it just the old stuff, the nostalgia kind of thing that was really uh, it for you? Well, no, so I was, I was born in 82, so um, the the He-Man line of toys came out around 82. Um, by about 85, the cartoon had come out, so I've been He-Man through and through my entire life. Um, I found a my baby book that my mom kept for my first year of, of life or whatever, and she said that even then I was into He-Man, and I would walk around the house and, and call him Me-Man. And that's all I wanted to play with was my He-Man toys. So even before the cartoon came out, I, I guess I've had a He-Man toy in my hand. And uh, I fell, I don't want to say I fell out of it. I still had 
some of the figures that I'd grown up with on my desk at work and stuff like that. Um, but a, a new line of toys came out for adult collectors in 2008. And at that time, I kind of had some other things going on in life and really couldn't afford to dive into a whole new line of toys that were being released every single month for eight years. Uh, and I just, it's like, okay, that's on the back burner right now. And part of, part of the content that Chris and I were kicking around trying to put out there to keep ourselves visible as the Bash Bros was a review series. And we both love collecting toys and I've got nothing else to spend my money on right now. So I just jumped head first back into He-Man and was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to collect that line from back in 2008. And it's just snowballed from there into vintage figures and the rebooted show from 2002 and comic books, you name it. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, Ethan's helping you out down there at that uh, comic store he's got there. You know. Yep. I stepped into Destiny City Comics actually probably about a month or so ago, and he had special ordered a trade paperback for me that I needed. So, oh man, that's super dope, man. And uh, you know, of course, when I was a kid, I was totally He Man and uh, the Battle Cat man, and then uh, Skeletor was like the. It was almost like wrestling, man. He was like the super cool heel, you know. Oh yeah, but you know, you yep. hated him, but it was like it was so awesome when you look back at it now, Matt. Uh, yeah. You know what was it that just kind of grabbed you about he-man instead of other cartoons you know i think it was just the larger than life aspect of it um you know you look at these characters from that show and they're all big jack dudes or you know attractive scantily clad women and dudes you know so it's just and it's it's fighting it was sword fighting and, and sorcery and, and magic and science and stuff it's the perfect mix of fantasy and sci-fi and I think that's really what drew me to the whole thing. And it just, you know, I look back on it now and I think, okay, all the things that I've liked throughout my life has always been sorcery and, and sci-fi and magic and stuff like that. So kind of makes sense that He-Man's still my favorite. <laughs> so basically, you know, and Skeletor... Is he just the ultimate, like, freaking heel, though? He just, like, he was so badass. I remember one of the episodes, you know, from the original series, like, uh, there was a dude, he was like an insect guy almost, and, uh, you know, Skeletor looks at him one time, and, insect, what are you doing? And he was doing something to help He-Man at that time, and I was like, that was so cool how Skeletor just said that. It was, like, just such a great promo almost. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he's really, like, the most iconic cartoon villain that's ever been created i think he became the template for what cartoon villains should be uh dastardly and devious enough to where you think they can get the upper hand but always surrounded with that bumbling group of henchmen that could never quite get the job done and so as a result he always lost, but it was never his fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, just real quick, were you, were you a Transformers uh, guy at all? Not really. I, my brother watched some Transformers, and he had some of the toys, but I think what turned me off from Transformers is those toys have always been so difficult to transform. <laughs> and as a kid, if I can't play with it the way it's intended to be played with, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Exactly. So, and I was... I was strictly He-Man, and then it went into Ninja Turtles. Uh, and I would watch some of the other stuff. Like, they had Street Sharks on there and, and 
Thundercats and things like that. And I would I would watch them, but I was never as captivated by them as I was with He-Man or Ninja Turtles. Right, right on. So He-Man was just your freaking jam all yep. the way, all the way out, man. Anyway, thanks for sharing that, man. I was just kind of like, when I saw that, I was like, man, I used to love He-Man when I was a kid. So I just wanted to get your kind of insight on that real quick. And then, uh, you know, let's get over to some uh, other stuff you're talking about, you know, wrestling things. Uh, you know, this, uh, you pronounce it Dragonplex, right? Yep. Dragonplex, that there's apparel, uh, a Dragonplex Jojo now, right? Dojo, yes. excuse me. Yeah. I think I mispronounced yeah. that, excuse me. But, um, yeah, why don't you tell us about how all this got started, the apparel, the the dojo, and uh, just break that down for us a little bit. So when Chris and I started the Bash Bros, um, the very early talks of it were we didn't want to be just a tag team. Uh, I mean, the the independent wrestling world and the pro wrestling world in general is is flush with just tag teams, right? And our thing has always been, we want to have our hand in as many different cookie jars as possible, video production, content creation. Um, we wanted to create a robust resume of, of work that we've done that someday when wrestling's over, we have multiple different avenues we can travel down to maintain being in the entertainment industry or, or just busy in general. Um, and part of that was... Chris just hit me up one day and he said, I want to start an apparel line. And I said, dope, let's do it. And we sat and we, we brainstormed some names. Um, our, we knew what we wanted to do was create a fashionable pro wrestling inspired apparel line um, that would appeal to people who of all walks of life, you don't have to be a pro wrestling fan to like Dragonplex. The, we stylize the name in a way that you can wear it, and, and the understanding is that this is a wrestling move, right? But nobody's going to walk down the street and go, hey, nice shirt, Mark. You know what I mean? Okay. So you don't have to be – there's so many wrestling shirts that just are plastered with people's faces and, and things like that. And, you know, as a fan of wrestling, you know, I've worn shirts like that, and I've been on the receiving end of, hey – cool shirt whose face is that you know and it's sometimes you know it sparks up really great conversations other times you walk away feeling like you're the biggest nerd in the world and we didn't want that so we created dragonplex to be you know a part of the wrestling culture because that's who we are at our core but also appeal to anyone from any interest level um so it's really it's kind of turned into a wrestling inspired but also fight inspired as well we've got a couple of karate designs that we've got coming out um some mixed martial arts jujitsu designs that we've been working on as well so the ideas are out there to to get it and then you know as far as the school we got the opportunity to open our school back up um and and we had originally run our school out of my garage for a while and well, you know, it was fun. Well, that's what I was going to ask. But, you had you had your own training. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, you guys had your own training school before that was going for a little while until you kind of didn't have some space, right? Right. Yeah. So so we lost the garage space. My friend wanted her garage back to convert it into a mother in law apartment, which, to her credit, she successfully did all on her own. 
Um, well, we could have done both, right? You could have, you know, moved the mother-in-law around during parts, you know, I'm sorry. never. Well, <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but so the school was on hiatus for a while. And, and while we were in the garage, it was fun, but it was really just kind of, it turned into more fuck around toy time with the guys that we were training because they'd become friends with us. And, and, you know, we'd see each other three or four times a week. And, we got the opportunity to open back it up in a, in a actual facility um, downstairs in the basement of the VFW where we run our wax shows. And we wanted to completely rebrand because now this was serious. Like we are going to start an actual wrestling school where people can come and learn everything that they need to learn about the business from, you know, how to lock up to, how to get yourself bookings, who to go through for gear, uh, promos, pictures, vignettes, the, the whole nine yards. Like these students will leave this school completely ready to be an independent pro wrestler. Uh, and as we were sitting around doing it, we realized, or thinking about it, we realized that Dragonplex was just kind of in our lap and why not turn the Dragonplex apparel line into an offshoot of the school as well and have the Dragonplex dojo. So we kind of keep everything all under one umbrella. Right on, you know, and with this Dragonplex, the apparel and the, and the dojo, uh, you know, we talked about you and Chris. Is there anyone else uh, helping along the way on this thing? Yeah, we've got um, co-coaches who will come in um, every now and again. Uh, Chase James has come in and helped coach a couple of times. Um, Jaden is, comes in and, and helps coach. Um, we've had, we've had plenty of wrestlers stop by that have been able to just sit and, and work out and roll around. And then they've been happy to jump in with some of the students. Um, and then on top of that, they've had the ability to sit and offer their advice from a different perspective. Cause I think, you know, it's, it's one thing to hear your coaches talk about things, but it's another thing to have it reinforced by somebody else who isn't associated with the day-to-day running of that facility tell you the same thing. It, it kind of reinforces what you're hearing and, and it's been really good for, for the students there. Well, I've, you know, seen that, like, I think the day you guys went live, it seemed like there was like a lot of folks up there that first week. I think I haven't, you know, seen four minutes of heat and, uh, oh my gosh, yep. uh, rebel kill and uh, a bunch of other ones. I'm not going to sit here and try to name them all. Cause I probably can't, cause I can't remember. Cause I'm an old man, Dave, but anyway, <laughs> you know, man, yeah. uh, it seemed like you had a lot of folks coming up there to check it on out. Yeah, we do. I mean, we had, like you said, four minutes of heat, rebel kill, um, Drexel, mm. Steve Miggs. Cubby and Sonico had popped in, you know, unfortunately at this point, we're kind of like, I don't want to say we're on a hiatus, but we've kind of, we kind of had to pump the brakes a little bit because of COVID and things like that. So we've had to put it on pause for a little bit, um, just out of, out of respect for people's comfort level and, and things like that. Um, but that first, couple of weeks or whatever it was we were we were really busy um our students we the students that we got in the brand new ones were already hitting the ground very talented and and able to 
have a quick aptitude for the wrestling business. So when we can start back up full force, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be already way ahead of the game. Um, well, it's, and fun- just it's funny you said that. I just wrote down. I don't know if you could see it, but I wrote students. I was yeah. like, you know, we talked about who else came in, you know, that's also, or already on the scene, I should say, you know, how is the students, were you getting enough, you know, students, there's enough uh, interest, are they really excited, you got a good group coming in there? Oh yeah, we we got a lot of interest uh, right away when we announced the school and, and put out our email address and stuff for it. Uh, we had a pretty large student base, I don't want to call it large, um, we didn't have like 20 students or anything like that, but from where we were at when we were running in the garage to where we were at that first week of class, we had a lot of interest. Um, you know, I, I'd want to say enough to make it worth it, but in my brain, one student or 15 students is going to be worth it to me. Um, but it was, it was enough students to make it fun and enjoyable and, and run a structured class where they can all sit and learn and be taught the right way to wrestle. The right way is such a a loaded term because there is no right way, right? There's only the safe way and the unsafe way. Um, The way Chris and I wrestle may not be for everybody, um, but this business, the beauty of this business is you pick up things along the way and you try things and ditch the things that don't work for you and keep the ones that do. So, (laughs) you know, we're just, we're happy to be able to provide an alternative to the, cause there's other schools in this state that people could go to um, from Everett all the way down to Tacoma, you know, and those schools all are good schools and they all offer their own flavor of ice cream. We're just happy to be a different flavor of ice cream for people in the area. Sounds like amazing ice cream, man. Uh, another question, just real quick about the uh, school. Um, do you guys do any ref training, uh, manager training, anything like that? Not for we, the L train. My wife would kill me. But for anyone that actually was interested in maybe something like that, an alternative to being a wrestler. Because, you know, some people don't have that athleticism, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, we do. Um, we we had a student who was interested. He wanted to learn how to be a wrestler. Um but his primary interest is learning how to ref or manage. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very upfront with those guys. We have never refereed. We've never really managed, but we've been around the business long enough to understand the basic fundamentals of it and to point you in the direction of who to watch for little tips and tricks and to pick up some of these nuances. Um, we were also very fortunate to, once we're in a position to keep steamrolling ahead, we're very fortunate to be in a position where we have created good friendships and bonds with some of the best referees in this area that could hopefully, if they're interested or they have the time, can come in and, and help teach and give pointers in their perspective. Um, we've also got Odie Brown from down in California. He recently moved up to the uh, Portland Salem area, I believe. And, uh, you know, he's, he knows he's got an open invitation once we're up and running to come up anytime. Any of those Portland guys come up to get some ring time to help kind of teach things because, you know, the nice thing about a referee is too, they're, you know, they might 
not know how to pick up somebody and, and properly drop them on their head in all cases, but they are a part of the show. They are a part of the ring and they see wrestling from a different lens than we see wrestling. So they can teach you a different aspect of slowing down and pacing and ring positioning and things like that, that maybe they're hearing from us, but it doesn't resonate to them the way, you know, maybe the, the way I deliver the message is different than somebody else, like a referee. Um, and they just pick it up differently from the referee than they are from me. <laughs> no, that's phenomenal, man. And, uh, you know, how, you know, and I was asking you about refereeing and uh, refereeing and uh, managing, man. Uh, is there much room for managing much more in uh, independent wrestling? I mean, we're seeing some good stuff on AEW. It's really working good on there with some of the old legends, I think. That's my opinion. But uh, do you think in the indie scene, you know, far from a few things here and there, does a manager really work that well on the indie scenes? You know, it's that's an interesting question, and I think it's kind of double-sided. I think it really depends on what you're doing. I think if you're if you're trying to get into this business to manage and get noticed to turn this into a career, you're going to have a very long and very hard road if that ever happens. Um, I think you know you can you can put a manager on any indie show and it will work <clears throat> if done properly. Um, It'll work better, obviously, if you have the ability to have a weekly or semi-weekly content that people can see. Because, you know, when you're a wrestler, you go around and, and you can wrestle anywhere every single weekend. Well, not everywhere might want to book your manager. Um, you may not even be the same gimmick or character everywhere you wrestle, but people get to see you in that visibility. With a manager, unless you're really hammering home who you are and what your role is to that story, it's hard to keep that consistency going. And on top of that, you know, it's hard enough for, you know, I can tell you this from a booking standpoint, being a, a promoter and a booker that, you know, you get a, a tag team that wants to come in. Well, that's twice as much money now that I have to chill out. That's two plane tickets. That's two POs. It's two beds in a hotel room, right? But there's more value in that a lot of times than there is in a manager. You know, if, if we want to bring in the butcher and the blade to without a cause, well, the butcher and the blade as a tag team have a lot more value, just as much value with or without a manager. If they had one, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, when you start to, to look at it from a cost perspective, is it possible to have a, a wrestling manager in the business? Yeah, it is, I think. Um, will it be successful? That's all dependent on them and how much they want to hustle and the sacrifices that they make. Because ultimately, that's what this business is at this level, is a sacrifice. You have to be willing to put your put your foot out there and really you know, for lack of a better term, literally pay your dues. You know, you're, you're going to have to buy plane tickets. You're going to have to get yourself places. Mm -hmm. You have to put yourself in front of the best promoters and situations possible. And that's going to cost you money. So 
if you want to be a manager and, and you hope that you can get seen doing that, yeah, I think you probably could. But I think you're going to have to work exponentially harder than most other talent are going to have to work. Well, that makes sense. It seems like, you know, especially if you're just, maybe you're just going to start at a local level, say here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, with the shows at, you know, DOA and Prestige and, you know, everything up here, you know, uh, without a cause and stuff. And uh, maybe some Canada shows, uh, you know, maybe at first you're just volunteering yourself possibly just, hey, I'd like to be on the show. My my pal, the, the Dave Turner's on the show. I'm going to come be his manager. Not exactly, you know, if you yeah. were with the two. But anyway, but, you know, I'll come up. It's all my own thing. I'll drive myself, you know. Is, is it something like that, just maybe throwing yourself out there for a while at your own expense and seeing if well, it goes yeah, anywhere? I mean, it's, it's that way even as a wrestler. It's, it's just showing up and putting your face out there. Uh, but the difference is, and, and you know, I, I'll never advocate people working for free. Um, I think in the beginning, there's a part that's part of the business in some respect. Um, you know, when I was coming up, I worked for free, but I worked for free for one person because he was, he was the guy who gave me the opportunity and that didn't last long. You know, after I got so many reps under my belt, then the pay had to start coming in and the pay wasn't great, you know, but it was something at least to put value on my time and what I brought to the promotion. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to have to put yourself out there and you're going to have to be seen, um, put yourself in front of people who can see what you can do. You know, even if it's driving up with the guys and saying, Hey, FYI, I'm a manager. Um, I normally manage down at XYZ company, but I'm going to be heading up there. I'll happily pay for a ticket if you need me to, but if there's any opportunity to use me or to just kind of roll around in a match um, before the show so you can kind of see what I can do and have like a little pseudo tryout in some respect, you know, there's, it's something you have to do. You have to do that as a wrestler. You're going to have to do that as a manager. The difference is going to be in, you know, when I went out to Indiana for black label, um, you know, I went out there on my own dime the first time and on a hope and a prayer. I, w I was going to take part in a seminar and just hoping I can get some work. Um, and I was fortunate enough that I got booked in a, in a dark match before the show aired on IWTV. And by the time I left, I had a handshake agreement with Mikey, the promoter, to come back. So, you know, those sorts of things as a wrestler – as an individual wrestler, you can build value faster than you can a manager because managers aren't crucial to wrestling. You don't have wrestling without wrestlers, right? But you can always have wrestling without managers. So you've got to be something pretty special if you're going to start getting paid to fly out places um, and offer something that nobody else is offering in that area. Because the reality is, too, if I really desperately need a manager, I can throw anybody in that role if I wanted to, you know, I could pick up a dude off the street from the Chevron down the road and say, Hey, I need you to come stand around and just interject yourself from time to time, <laughs> not diminishing the art of being a manager, right. but for a lot of independent wrestling companies that are, just happy to be in the wrestling business that's the mentality 
So management, you know, like you were just saying, it, you know, for the indie thing is one thing, but uh, maybe for AEW, the WWE, the NWAs, you know, where someone could actually talk for the person or, or the, yeah. the talent that can't talk. It's a little different there, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, they've got the the added bonus of having weekly TV, you know, so you can see this manager with these wrestlers every single week in multiple segments every week to hammer home his role and his value within that organization. Um, it's it's easier to get that, that job across. Um, it's also, you know, exponentially easier because they have five or six cameras that can pick up every single little nuance of the story that you're trying to tell. In an independent wrestling company, you can't do that. You have two cameras at best. Um, so it's, it's harder to perfect that art when you are working for an independent wrestling company. You really have to grow and learn and hustle more than a lot of wrestlers are going to have to do. Dave, you said that very eloquently, man. You, you know, you're giving us great information here tonight about schools, about information for people that need to, you know, or want to uh, go check out schools, you know. And yeah. uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing all that. But, uh, dude, we got to move on real quick. My man over yep. here is waiting on hold. This other guy, he wants to be on the podcast too. His name's PCO from Ring of Honor. But, uh, dude, what's going on? Anything uh, going on here in 2020 uh, at the rest of the year for the Bash Brothers? We wait until 2021 to see what happens. Well, or can you say? <laughs> uh, let me just say... If cards play out the way that we're hoping to play out, by the end of 2020, you'll see something with the Bash Bros in it. What that is yet and how it will pan out, I'm unsure, but we'll see something. Well, I appreciate that little tidbit, uh, even putting you on the spot there, but uh, appreciate it very much, man. Uh, looking forward to, if nothing else, 2021, seeing... You know, the local scene take off again, the the national scene take off pretty much. I mean, there's been some shows with these outdoor shows, which uh, I've seen some of them, the GCW shows, man. Uh, just real quick, some of your thoughts on uh, those outdoor shows, man. You know what? I think it's great. I think we're, we're in an interesting time in the wrestling business where the model is being forced to change. Um, and, you know, GCW is where you want to go if, you want to be made into an independent wrestling star. Um, that company and that platform has catapulted a lot of people to independent wrestling, quote unquote, fame. Um, I, I think any opportunity that there is for people to get work safely and um, appropriately in this environment is best for the business um and and it's really best for you know the fans as well people need it people need wrestling you know wrestling for a lot of guys in the business is an escape it's just as much an escape for them from their day-to-day -day lives as it is for a lot of the fans and i think people don't put enough value on that you know not everybody can afford to go see a therapist to talk out their problems a lot of times being artistic and creative is that release that therapeutic release for them. Um, I think as long as you're doing it safely 
and your audience is required to wear masks and temperatures are being taken and hands are being sanitized and things of that nature and you're following social distancing protocols, I'm all for it. Get your shows in as many as you can, as often as you can, and, and let's support the boys. Let's go out there. Let's buy their merch. Let's buy the, the Fight TV stream. Subscribe to IWTV. Use promo code BASHBROS if you want to save some money for a few days. Um, you know, it, it support independent pro wrestling because right now, more than any other time in history, we've needed so, you know, I'm all for it. But if you're going to run a show, like I said, follow those safety protocols. Make sure the people who are not active in the ring are wearing their masks. Make sure their temperatures are taken. Make sure their hands are washed. Same with the fans. You know, you got to you got to do what we can to keep everybody safe, but also to keep everybody entertained as well. Exactly, man, because uh, the safer we are now, we'll, the quicker we'll be able to get back to where more and more and more of us will be able to show up at the shows and you yep. know support you guys like yourself your brother chris you know without a cause all the local shows you know and uh as a fan i i'm i've been dying but i have been watching some of those shows on uh, fight tv or independent uh wrestling and uh, uh, i'm sorry independent wrestling.tv and uh you know that's kind of been really getting uh me throw through on uh, a lot of stuff yep yeah for sure but anyway, man, I got to let you go. So, uh, Bash Brothers, man, where do we get that merch? Uh, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bash Bros. Uh, you can go to BrainBusterTees.com and search for Bash Bros. You could also search for Dragonplex. Our, our Dragonplex apparel line is exclusive through BrainBusterTees.com. Um, and that's D-R-G-N-X-P-L-E-X. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Bash Bros Tag Team and Dragonplex at D-R-G-N-X-P-L-E-X. So we're we're pretty much everywhere and, and very easy to find. And you're also on, uh, you know, you got YouTube, you got the podcast. Uh, just bro- break that down for us real quick, too. Yep. The podcast is called What You Watching with the Bash Bros. It's available on nearly every single podcast app that's out there. Or you can go to https colon backslash backslash bashbrostagteam.buzzsprout.com and follow us there as well. I got it downloaded each and every week. It comes to my phone, you know, and I rotate it with a bunch of other stuff. So, man, uh, great, Thank you. great we show. Appreciate that. It's fun because, you know, a couple wrestlers, man, and you, you guys will just talk about what you're watching you know and it's really uh fun one of these times yep. i got to come on there and school you guys about rocky or something though but yes uh, <laughs> but uh what about the the dojo man uh, if you want to get in there how do you get a hold of this and uh you know tell very, us about that very easily uh, email us at drgnxplex at gmail.com um and chris or myself will respond to you and and once we can get back up and rock and roll in the way that we want to be we will definitely let you know. We've got a list of people right now who've expressed interest uh, that we've got ready to inform as soon as we can. Well, man, uh, I'm going to let you go. But before I do that, I want to thank you so much for coming on here tonight. Real thank quick you. Uh, to chat. <clears throat> pardon me. Real quick chat with you before we get to the old PCO here tonight from Ring of Honor Wrestling. And uh, Don't let them hear you call them that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, man, thanks for coming on. I wish you the best. I hope to see you guys so soon in some kind of a wrestling type of thing. 
Anyway, absolutely. I wish you the best. Take it easy tonight, man. Goodbye. All right, Lyle. Thanks. Beef Berea nachos are coming this week. This Wednesday, September the 23rd, Black Raven Brewing in Redmond, 4 p.m. to 7.30. Thursday, September the 21st, Scoop Brewing in Ballard, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Back on Saturday, September the 26th, Urban Family Brewing in Ballard, 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. A lot of great stuff up in Ballard. Check it out. And then Sunday, September the 27th, Locust Brewing and Cider, plus five wineries at the Junction in Woodenville, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Let me tell you about some specials. Beef Birrera Nachos, Cheddar and Fontina Cheese Sauces, Beef Braised in Mild Chili Sauce, Jalapeno, they're pickled, Pickled Red Onion and Cilantro, Tofu, Cervese, Tostada, Marinated Tofu, Chipotle Mayo, Sweet Bell Peppers, Pickled Red Onions and Cilantro on a Crispy Tostada. Dude, you can get it vegan. You know, they also recommend tostada for a snack or uh, get two to three for a meal. And then for that sweet tooth, peanut butter cup blonde. Chewy peanut butter blonde with mini peanut butter cups. It does contain, it does contain gluten. Anyway, also, check out their fermented hot sauces. They got multiple available. Anyway, check them out. Nacho Mama Seattle. Dot com at Nacho Mamas SCA on Twitter at Nacho Mamas Seattle on Facebook and Instagram hashtag nachos and beer hashtag Nacho Mamas Seattle. Hey, this is the L Train Man. We're back for another uh, great episode this week, an amazing episode. A guy that's been here before, it's been a while because he, uh, he left the indie scene and went on to some great things over at Ring of Honor Wrestling. The uh, Dude, he's held the six-man tag team championship over there, the world tag team championship, and the Ring of Honor world heavyweight championship, man. The one and only PCO, man. Uh, I'm going to ask how you're doing, but I know how you're doing. You just did this marathon, brother. How are you? <laughs> yeah uh, i'm battered and uh, in, in deep pain but uh the morale is so at ease and so good it was all worth it you know for that that last sprint where i touched the wall where i showed the the beauty of the stadium and for me it was this you know it was significant significant because uh it's a dream, you know, to perform there and to sell it out. So that's why that was uh, my target. You know, I live uh, against the border near Vermont. That's where I live. And uh, maybe an hour, you know, away from the from the border. So uh, it was a very, very tough run. Uh, especially me. I never ran before uh, more than five miles. So uh, I just wanted to push myself and uh, see how I would uh, hold up, hold on to. You know, I, I've been for the last few years uh, when I got a project, I've been uh, finishing the missions, and uh, I did on purpose an ultra marathon just to see if I was capable of keeping my words and. Uh, you know, many things happens when you do that. Uh, 
<laughs> you push through, you find resource, resources that you never think you can have, and uh, you just got to push through. And uh, and then you, you expand and you find so many gifts. And uh, it's, uh, we've got one life to live. And uh, for me, I, I knew I wanted to do this. And, and on the same token, you know, I'm... 52 and uh, I want to kind of make a statement that you know I can do it all you know I can whatever you know it's not about age in my case so I can mix with anybody like uh, I'm up to the biggest challenge so well, you know without without being cocky or anything it's just uh, it's just uh, just saying that I deserve everything that I got because I'm working for, I don't uh, just wait at home and uh, sit on my butt and, and do nothing. I'm always working hard. Well, from what I know of you, man, what I followed from you since I started watching you on the indie scene, you know, a couple of years ago when you did my podcast, I wasn't even that familiar with your indie stuff. I knew a lot of your other stuff that you had been through in, in WCW and WWE, but then you went on that huge indie run, man. And then, uh, you know, off to Ring of Honor, and you've always been a guy that seems like just completely works your ass off for, you know, everything that uh, that you're working for, man. And, uh, dude, you just ran between 70 and 90 kilometers. Um, yeah, I would ran- say it was nearly 70. I think uh, coming back with the car, I mean, of course, when you're in the middle of it, you know, every kilometers are looking... Uh, you know, it's like you get a news from someone, okay, uh, no, off the bridge, 3.8 to the stadium. And then you ask people, how far am I from the stadium? They go, ah, quite a ways, maybe an hour and a half. What? <laughs> it's like you're losing it. You rush through for like 15, 20 minutes. You're like, you don't have no more feet. You don't have no more gas, but you just still go because you want to get rid of it as soon as possible you want to get there and then uh, you slow down a little bit and then you start asking people it was supposed to be 3.8 it looks like it was 7.9 so <laughs> so you know it was like oh man 24 hours without sleep and all that but it was approximately 70 to be fair so that- it was a hell of a ride that's incredible, man, for, for anyone to really do that. But at, like you said, 52 years old, but even though, you know, you're still in, in phenomenal shape for your age because of what you do, man. But, uh, you know, props to you, a 24 hour marathon, dude. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah. were running during the night, walking during the night, whatever you had yeah. to do to keep going, man. How, yeah, yeah, how did yeah, that yeah, go? Yeah. In- Cause I, I never, I never got any sleep. Uh, the most that I would stop, uh, many times I had to because I, need, I needed music and I don't have an iPod. <laughs> so I listened to a lot of YouTube and uh, I got my, uh, some songs that re- really uh, cranked me up a lot. And uh, so when my battery was down, I needed to recharge the phone and it wasn't easy to find a plug because, oh. you know, the restaurant were closed or if I do, then the cup coming around uh, what are you doing i just need to recharge my phone because people were looking at me why do you do marathon at nighttime you know it's dangerous well <laughs> if you're running for 24 hours you start in the daytime it's going to be the same thing anyways so they didn't get that part but uh 
Uh, I wanted to accomplish the most of my stuff during the night, but it was the other way around. I mean, I've, I've been pushing through since uh, <sighs> at one point I thought I was going to be, guys were like, because I was monitored, monitorized on GPS and mm -hmm. uh, geolocalization. So at one point, the uh, journalists who were following me, because I made all the news here in Montreal, on TV and on the website news and all that. So at one point, they're like, uh, okay, uh, let's say they would give me the distance or, uh, you know, you take this street and this street and then you go straight. But I was not working. <laughs> like I took a street and I asked someone, Am I supposed to take the street to go to that bridge? No, no, you take the third one and you go right. And then I was so much confusion. <laughs> but not anyone's fault, you know, it's just, uh, just the experience itself. You know, I, I, I so, got to apologize to everybody that were, you know, following me and giving me like, okay, turn left here and then you got seven to go or 15 <laughs> to go. Just a few times I had, okay. Now you got 15 to go, and then I had another call. Yeah. Well, uh, I, GPS says you got another 15 to go. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those days, but <laughs> two, two, two days, <laughs> like 24 hours. So, so, PCO, you didn't have like a another, like some folks in a car kind of following you along. It was basically just you? Yeah. Yeah, it was so dangerous. At first, I started on major highways, and I got arrested right away. And they, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they put me on the smaller highway. They said, no, you can't run there. It's like everybody's calling the cop because they, they think it's too dangerous. So, yeah, but that's the easiest way for me, the most light. Because the way you're making me take, <laughs> it's like there's no lights. I'm going to get hit by a car. So I had like a, a yellow... Uh, fluo shirt uh orange and yellow right but i had a bag weighed about 10 pounds so near like uh, near when i was crossing the bridge to go to montreal island i uh had two brand new shirts i had a bunch of stuff in my kind of purse and my backpack and it was becoming heavy and it was like irritating my underarms so i dropped a lot of luggage <laughs> Oh. Like on on the side of a bin, just so I uh, could be lighter. So I came back with no shirts, and, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was a hell of a story. What, did, uh, something. Did you carry water with? Did you have lot water or liquid Gatorade, anything like that, with you? No, nothing. During the whole night, I didn't drink at all. Oh Actually, God. I drank when I left home, and I drank about uh, one point five liter. Uh, I wanted to be hydrated. But on the first 15 Ks, I was peeing all the time. So my body didn't want it to be heavy at all. Like my body wanted to be light. My body didn't want any water. <laughs> so so I, I ran with no water until the last bit, maybe the last five, six hours of the thing for like, I would say 18 hours, 17 hours. I had nothing to eat. No food. It was just uh -huh. pure adrenaline. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you too. So you didn't bring any power bars, anything like that. You just basically went with nothing and just kind of pushed your body and through. I, and I and then I was a, like a little bit smart about it. I, I showed the, the first video. Okay, I got my loafers here. 
it's like you know something that you watch TV with. Like, I'm ready to go 70, you know, all night. Well, after like 20 kilometers, my feet were killing me. So that was <laughs> something that regretted a lot. So I needed to have someone to replace my shoes along the way. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you too, man. You had these loafers you were wearing, and I'm like, I don't know if those are the best running shoes for that kind of run, man. This ain't just down to the park and back, bro. So yeah, tell me about those. Stupid. Tell me about the shoes and tell me about the feet. Well, it was a stupid mistake. And <laughs> right at the first quarter of the, the race, uh, you know, my, my mind wanted to quit. My mind was saying, it's impossible. You got like, you've just been running for like six hours. You got all night, tomorrow, all day. You can't finish a race like that. You're, you're already fucked. So you, basically, you're already done. You know, you're, you can't even stand on your feet anymore. And I was at not even one third of the race. <laughs> so uh, around 6 30 in the morning, I called uh, my ex, who is the, uh, the mother of my only daughter. She's 11, my daughter. So I, I called her because I knew she was working around where I was. Could you bring a, a pair of shoes for me? I'm dying here, and I got to finish that race. And she go, well, I'm going to leave home in about 30 minutes. Okay, I'll keep on going. Uh, I'll be on that street, you know, and uh, just text me whenever you get there. And she comes with those shoes, and they were too small for me. Oh, no. And then, yeah, I was tired in it, but they were like Nike, like real shoes. So I took them. And I laces only like the last two uh, holes and I made it loose, you know, at the bottom of my feet. And she asked me, do you want to carry the old shoes or I take them back home? And when you get your daughter, you know, like Thursday, I'll give you back your shoes. Uh, so I had to make a decision. To... You there, sir? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, that's another problem I had to. <laughs> I, I brought I brought a court. Hello, do you get me? I do, I do. Do you hear me? Okay, yeah. Sorry, it's can you right. reconnect it? Yes. My We're cord, because my phone is down because 24 hours, and I had a cord, like, and it was never charging enough, and I, of course, I <laughs> lost two at the other cord that I had today, so I've changed my cord. Uh, it should be all right now. It should. Oh, that's all good. My, my phone is totally dead, but. But we'll, we'll keep on. Just, uh, just ask me the same question. <laughs> well, we were actually just talking about Please. when your ex came and dropped you off shoes, and then you know I was asking you, did, yeah. you, did you keep the shoes that she offered to take back? Yeah, no. I told her uh, get my old shoes back, and I'll get it back tomorrow night when I get my daughter because uh, it was going to be too heavy and the back sack. So in the backpack, so I said, no, uh, I took the chance and they were small and they were hurting, I guess. Anyways, the damage was done on my feet. So <laughs> I don't think any other shoe would have done the difference anyways. So, but it felt in my head, they were Nikes. So I felt like, okay, now I've got real shoes, but I've got wide feet and my the top of my toes they were busting on those shoes so it, it was hell it was hell so the roughest part sounds like it was maybe but your feet hell. maybe your feet but not your cardio your cardio sounds like maybe that was all right right 
but it was like your feet tearing you up. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. What happened? The the chin, you know, in front of the lower leg, that that cramps up a lot. The uh, also the back of the leg cramps up a lot, you know. And uh, but the quads is perfect. The knees are perfect. Uh, you and you contract uh, the lower back and and the traps quite a bit too. Uh, you're a little tense, you know. So uh, the body works works a lot. You, know, you spend quite a lot of energy. But cardio wise, it's not a cardio thing. It's a an endurance thing. It's a mental toughness thing. It's something where your mind has totally remind you is a total all the time like it, it reminds you to quit you know your mind says no you can't do that now your feet are too you know damaged you, you your lower back is too damaged you're you know you're between the legs are you're too irritated uh the straps that you worry that you carry the backpack or irritating your underarms. So all those uh, aspects are totally getting towards your mind and you have to not listen to the mind. And basically there's one way that I can say that you got to show the machine who's in charge of the machine. It's mm -hmm. not the mind, but you're, you know, myself was in charge of the machine because it's the greatest machine in the world. And, uh, we don't know how great it is. And, uh, and as it, when I was 25, 26, I, that, that would sound like Chinese for me. If some, someone would said that, you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, I've, I've worked on myself. I made researches. I've, I tried to hang out with the best of the best and, uh, to learn from the best of the best. And, uh, you know, to be part of that leadership. And, uh, so that's why, um, you know, I trained a lot with George and Pierre, uh, earlier in my career. And I, I didn't appreciate the values of his lessons. And, uh, I'm pretty sure that tonight he would have been proud of me because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, at some point, uh, when I was training for him, I was like, well, you know, that's MMA stuff, that's UFC. No, it's it's all about discipline. It's all about freedom. It's all about how, how bad you want it. It's, you know, it's, it's all that. You know, it's it's more than just, you know, it's, it goes beyond the limits of the sport. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's well, just, uh, it's just it's, to me, it, it makes a parallel that if I really want something from the business, uh, uh, won't uh, quit, you know, until um, it's mission accomplished. Mm. So that's that's basically the the mindset behind the this whole thing. It's it's just not uh, a random thing. That's just something to to do something. It's uh, there's a lot of mindset uh, that's been put into it. Well, my man, just looking at the, the, the things that you dropped on Twitter during your doing it, I can see, you know, we see the pictures of your fate, your feet, excuse me. Um, but then we start getting emotional, man, with some of the stuff you're dropping. And by the very end, you know, kind of some tears out of PCO with the, 
with, you know, you finishing and doing what you wanted to do, you know, the pain, the blues, the agony, as Dusty yeah. would say, man. And, uh, man, it, it looked amazing. You tell us about your emotion. Uh, you know, what is your, what does your family think about what you were doing here? Uh, um, they don't really grasp it that much. Like my dad, uh, called me, uh, at the beginning of the race because he found out, you know, from the family on social media that I was doing it. And I've told them also, uh, uh, the day prior, you know, like let's say Monday I spoke to him and I told him that, you know, because uh, I couldn't do it Wednesday because Wednesday it's, uh, supposed to have my daughter, but then uh, it was postponed to, uh, to Thursday, so I knew it was going to be 24 hours, so I needed to have my Wednesday off, but I, anyways, I was supposed to do it Wednesday, but something else popped, and I always have something, so I said, okay, I'm going to just get rid of it, like, I'll do it before I change my mind, you know, so I told my dad, and he goes, you know, usually people, they start with a 10, and they go to a 20, and then they go to a 40, and then they go to a 60, I said, well, Dad, you don't really understand the point there. It's not uh, you're going like, okay, you do this. And then when you come to the point is to get out of your comfort zone. It's not to feel comfortable at 20 and to feel comfortable at 40 <laughs> and to feel comfortable at 60. The point is you can't do it, but you got to do it. So, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he doesn't understand like, uh, I guess he's from another generation, and you know, for them, uh, usually when you, you grow older, you take it easy. And as I grow older, I'm, I'm doing more stuff than I've ever done in my life, so it's uh, hard for him to grasp the, <laughs> the, the, the concept of that. And uh, my mom, she's just like, well, we've heard anything from you. you know, you've done everything. We, you can't surprise us anymore, so... She's okay. That's cool. And her phone was ringing all day long. So, <laughs> but uh, my mom's always like uh, a good chill reader for me. And my dad never really got to understand what I'm doing. So, but uh, that's that's part of of my life. But uh, I got great parents, and they uh, they were always there for me. I can't complain. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just that I'm a at another level that uh yeah not everybody's ready or willing to go through so much pain in order to uh and deep dig and tap into like uh some resources that uh of unknown resources you know like uh tap into the subconscious or whatever another force you know <laughs> that uh that's there but that uh in order to be able to tap into it you have to tell your mind i'm not gonna quit i'm not gonna quit i'm not gonna quit shut up i'm not gonna quit you <laughs> now i'm taking uh control of this body or and this machine i don't want to hear from you but it's basically you're talking to yourself the whole time Oh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> so what, you know, you, you, you said your child, if you don't mind me asking, what's, what's the kid think about dad taking a 24 hour run? If they even are understanding what's yeah. going on there. Well, the, the thing that is cool with my daughter, it's like, uh, <laughs> I put her to a lot of, uh, cycles. Like I tell her, okay, if at night you brush your teeth and then 
you undo your bed and then you sleep. And in the morning, you have to finish the cycle. You got to brush your teeth and do your bed. If you don't finish the cycle, then you're never going to uh, accomplish anything in life, so to speak. You know, I just paraphrase or, you know, as uh, just, just, but I want her to, to finish what she started. And uh, I want her to be a strong closer. And uh, I'm trying to, to teach her that. And I think maybe that's the extreme way to teach her. But I think she'll get the uh, the lesson of uh, never quitting because uh, I remember when she was even younger, she 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 thought she was pretty smart because she was running faster than me. But what she didn't know is it's like I was running much longer than her. And then that's one point she started saying, "When are we gonna stop?" I said, "Well, you want to run fast? I'm gonna run long." So we'll see who's gonna quit first. And then she quit it, and she was so bad. At, uh, so mad, I, I she slammed the doors and she went into her room and said, "That's that fun to play with you." And then I said, "No, I just wanted to show you another another level." You know, yeah, you can be fast for two or three runs, but uh, are you going to be able to be fast like that for fifteen runs? You know, so that's uh, it's just you know, just try to teach her little lessons that uh, she could use later on in her life. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with her. She's a uh, She's a cutie, and she's uh, she's really a daddy's girl. You know? she's, she's really really cool. <laughs> oh, and good. then she texted me and says, uh, "Okay, Dad, I we just saw you on TV for your race, and uh, this morning she said, well, why are you still running all night?' And this I told you, baby. I said, uh, "When I start, when I start something, I want to finish what I started." And she goes, oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so just you no, know. but she she uh, she feels sometimes like oh, might be a little much, you know, like it's, it's deep. But not every parents are like me. But oh, <laughs> she man. gets the point. She gets she gets the point. Ah, oh, that must be great for you. But you just mentioned uh, they had you on TV up there. Where they were, was the the TV yeah, up there in Quebec news. following you? Were they following you on no, TV? No, no, really. I think they were. Uh, they they did like uh, they, they they grabbed some footage from uh, the social media and they aired it on the TV news. So it's just pretty cool, actually. Uh, um, a lot of uh, a lot of journalists from TV and newspapers uh, are following me or friends with me on Facebook or Twitter and. Uh, I guess, you know, they, they knew what was going on. I, I would say uh, a lot. It moved a lot of people today. You know, it was quite a big thing. You know, I've, I've heard from guys that I never hear from, uh, whether it's ROH guys. And, and it's kind of cool because uh, it made me feel like I got to keep on going and I got to, you know, hold on my, my part of the bargain. And, uh, and uh, I thought that, that was uh, that was very touching for me uh, to get like uh, guys that usually you have a conversation with them in the dressing room, but when they take the time to tweet and to say something nice, uh, it, it means a lot to me. And uh, I was uh, really happy, really happy about that. Even like uh, uh, people from the office, executives texted me and asking if I was okay and uh, 
just you know saying uh, keep on pushing and things like that and mm-hmm. mini fans and uh, i think uh, all the platforms were like really uh, alive and i couldn't respond right away to the messages but i will that's kind, of, that's kind of tough to respond as you're doing it yeah it's too tough it was even tough just to post you know but i wanted to have like that that feel where i wanted the people to to feel what i felt you know uh and then uh, as, as with my emotions as much as with my pain and as much as <laughs> the challenge so i wanted to transmit that and uh uh maybe inspire uh some people uh on the uh, on the, the same token did the non-sleep bug you that much no it didn't, didn't really bug me at all like i was uh uh <laughs> i remember when i the thing also you have to consider is kind of, I've done a lot of like uh, similar stuff like when I've wrestled Walter for Georgia Spring Break 2 oh, yeah. I drove 40 hours back and forth without sleep uh, in one shot you know like in one no no stop uh, basically maybe a little pee or something but no stop whatsoever no eating no nothing just, just 40 hours straight and uh, as I was getting close to the border, I would see tigers and lions because I was so tired after 40 hours. <laughs> but uh, today, I was not hallucinating anything. Like, uh, I had all my mind. And uh, and I had like little candies of uh, of honey, which is not too much sugar, but it was just enough to keep your system alert and that did the job for me that was uh destro's uh advice because he's he's really um very very deep on uh nutrition and what do i need to drink or what do i need to do for this or that and uh <laughs> destro didn't so, make the trip though yeah you know he was supposed to to be there at the stadium, <laughs> but uh, he trains people as well. So he had a few customers, and uh, I had like other like friends and fans and, that were there. And uh, all day, I had people like, baby, uh, baby, come on, PCO, taking picture with me. I said, it was a hell of a day. Uh, <laughs> it was cool to have the fans in town, like, wanted pictures and beat the horns and just say, come on. Or, and even, like, two or three people asked, do you want to ride this? No, I can't. I'm, like, I'm on GPS. I'm not going to take a ride. I don't, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing it for myself. I'm, I'm not trying to cheat the course, you know. It's, it's, it's uh, especially designed for myself. It's, it's not designed to look good. Did, did you see oh. the Rocky movies back in the day? Uh, Sylvester Stallone, yeah, Rockies. Sure. Oh, did, yeah, did you kind of feel like Sylvester Stallone heading down the street when he was Rocky and all the kids were like following him or maybe completely yeah. the opposite? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was, uh, they weren't following me, but they were cheering for me uh, <laughs> on, on, on many occasions. Uh, it was, it was really, really awesome. Oh man. Yeah. And, uh, Oh man, I, I just can't even believe that a twenty-four hour marathon, seventy plus kilometers, man. Uh, good for yeah. you. You're an inspiration to a lot of people. 
you know, doing this thing. You're doing what you do in just wrestling in general. You know, at your age, I'm not far behind you, man. I'm 48, yeah. turning 49 next year. Okay. And for a guy my age, looking at a guy your age, doing what you do, knowing what I can do, you're a goddamn yeah. legend, my man. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I know, I'm pushing the envelope all the time because uh, I've got so much things that uh, – I want to accomplish in the wrestling business. I'm not through yet, and uh, uh, I don't want to live the I don't want to live the sports unaccomplished. You know, even though like people say, "Oh, yeah, I've accomplished plenty of things." Yeah, but I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. So uh, I don't want to leave the sport unaccomplished, which wouldn't be like uh, so bad. But you know that that you know mindset that makes it different and uh so yeah i really want to to accomplish everything that i have set for goals in this life and uh people are asking me how many years you know well well if i can go and go and go and and, and then look the part and be in shape and being able to tore the house down if it's two years it's two if it's three it's three i mean it's a four it's four but i really don't know it's not about the years because i'm not trying to make money and to add years into this business for me uh it was never about the money but the money is always part of the deal <laughs> but uh it was all it was always about achieving uh and uh you know and drawing, drawing money and drawing crowds. And uh, I felt that uh, we didn't have time to accomplish that with Ring of Honor. And uh, hopefully in 2021, uh, it'll be a, uh, a great year. I can't wait till 2021 in wrestling, you know, since we've been kind of uh, shut down this year with the pandemic, kind of, uh, you know, a lot of wrestling is, um, you know, outdoor shows now on the independent scene. Or, you know, yeah. in Impact and WWE and all those kind of things, you know, are, are doing, uh, you know, no crowd kind of stuff, which some of it's fun, some of it's just, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. man, uh, just to get into kind of some stuff that uh, PCO Wrestling, man, uh, you know, I was doing a little research since the last time we talked, and uh, there's this little documentary on YouTube called uh, Burn the Ships, man, and... Uh, Man, I watched that just last night. I reviewed some stuff. Man, I really enjoyed that little documentary about yourself, man. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite ones, and uh, I think Kenny Johnson uh, <laughs> totally, totally knew how to represent the on uh, a fair, you know, on a fair way. Uh, totally represented my my mind and my thinking and the, everything that I wanted to say was uh he was right on the spot i think he did a fabulous job and uh i'm really really uh happy with the way that he delivered uh his documentary it's uh yeah for me it's a masterpiece uh it's uh something that's only 13 14 minutes but uh i feel that uh could be very inspiring or for my sometimes I rewatch it just to get inspired myself. I get inspired by myself, not because I think I'm so great or anything, but it's just that uh, I I don't know. I like the way that uh, I express certain things, and uh, it gets me as a watcher too. So it's a uh, it's pretty cool. And it <laughs> was just, you I know, don't know what's, 
And it was cool to see you against a guy that's really in NXT now or NXT UK or, you know, however they classify their stuff over in WB. I'm not sure anymore, but uh, yeah. seeing you against uh, one-on-one with Walter, and that was a really, really, really great match. I don't remember if we talked about this the first time we talked on this show, but, uh, man, going in one-on-one with that guy, man, how much fun was that? Yeah, it was uh, another brutal uh, experience and uh, something that I wanted to push through and uh, wanted to uh, be able to exchange with Walter, which not too many guys are doing, and uh, just to go toe-to-toe with him. And he, uh, I've got huge respect for him because uh, he's, he's good at what he's doing. You know, he, he knows when to draw the chops and he knows when to make them count. And... Uh, He's uh, really mastering this, this this part of his wrestling style, and uh, he's you know on the ring general and everything. I've got a huge huge respect for him. Uh, we were like really really good friends uh, over the years. Like uh, I've, I've I've known him when he started at sixteen, and then uh, I didn't know it was him until I wrestled him. That I had already wrestled him in WXW. And that kind of created like a pretty good vibe, you know, for uh, for the match. Because for me, it was my WrestleMania match, uh, Georgia and Spring Break 2. That was my moment. That the match that I wanted to shine and that I wanted to impress the world. And uh, Walter, Walter uh, was up to the task and he delivered. And uh, since then, uh, I always gained respect for this guy. He's always there to congratulate me, to say, you know, good things and uh, put his two cents. And he, he's been like uh, a good friend of mine, you know, uh, after signing with NXT. Mm. So, uh, yeah, huge respect for Walter. Man, and, and then another cool stuff to be, or a cool thing uh, to be watching lately is these weekly uh, deals you've been putting out. Uh, you and your dude, um, you know, the PCO justice, uh, web series, man. And, uh, I went back, you know, and kind of watched the last, uh, five, six of them, man. It's so much fun. And, uh, tell us, uh, how much fun these are for you. What goes into it? How long does it take to kind of film one of these things? Well, uh, the shooting, uh, lasts about, uh, for two episodes, it's a full day and a half, uh, last you know, putting all the uh, the episode together is about forty hours per week, and the writing of the episode is about two episodes. It's about forty hours per week, so uh, we have to share uh, a lot of things. But I uh, I overview all the screenplay, all the scenes, and all the montage. But uh, I got a specialist, someone from cinema. But sometimes I would tell them, okay, I would like to have like a, a larger plan on the face because we're losing the emotion. And uh, so I don't care too much if uh, you're losing a little bit of the background but, and, and here and there. So I, I pretty much uh, uh, I'm in charge of, uh, of, of everything. I've got a, a a co-writer with me. Actually, I come up with all the ideas and this co-writer, uh, uh, Roberts, uh, he, uh, someone on, uh, that I've met through, uh, Twitter and, uh, he's been, you know, learning the craft of the business because he's good with storytelling and putting everything on paper. And, uh, this guy, uh, 
I'm not giving like the big lines and he, he compresses it into like different scenes and then I overview them and then sometimes we do change things, sometimes we leave it like that and then uh, and sometimes uh, when we shoot, uh, I've got a feeling that okay, what we wrote on the piece of paper should be taken off for something more natural and those things happen as well. So there's a lot of uh, thoughts and work <laughs> put into those uh, <laughs> those uh, episodes because uh, I think it's a great way to uh, push through with the characters with Destro and PCO uh, during the pandemic. And uh, there's also uh, some TV stations that wants to present uh, the two minutes and 20 seconds uh, episode, you know, <laughs> late at night or whatever. So that's where we at right now. So, and uh, I also want to put all the episodes together, uh, the cinematic one mm. and uh, come up with a movie that uh, I want to rent the uh, movie theater in LA and one in uh, Canada and uh, they have like a premiere and with um, people from the movie industries and uh, boys uh, from the business and uh, manager, whatever, executives, you know, people that I know. Uh, I just want to make a big party out of it and uh, set the tone for season two and um, maybe a braid on the, uh, the camera lens and the, uh, Mike stuff and things like that because I've been talking to a lot of cinema people and uh, so we might eventually make a, a like we have like increased uh, dramatically like the quality of uh, the sounds and the images and uh, the VFX and, and things like that but uh, we want to keep on building up and uh, make something going like something uh, maybe half hour a week or Whatever, we'll see how it goes. But uh, that's a uh, one of my premiere uh, um, things that uh, I would like to, to accomplish on the way. <laughs> my man, let's, uh, if you don't mind, you know, I talked to you last time, you were doing your independent wrestling uh, stuff. And then uh, it was announced you were going to be at Without a Cause Wrestling in Everett, which is uh, one of my favorite promotions up here. And you were going to be at uh, a promotion up in uh, Canada, ECC Dub. But then yeah. suddenly things changed, man. You got that call from Ring of Honor, man. Uh, tell us about that, how that felt getting the call. Ring of Honor says, hey, we want you full time, man. And uh, how do things work like that? How, you know, you get your uh, contract, uh, you got these scenes you got to do and things like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, actually what happened is like, um, I was like touring for WXW, but, uh, prior to that, I had like, uh, I was getting like, text messages from, uh, Marty and I was getting text messages from Cody and the Bucks, And <laughs> I, I thought they were all together. In my mind, you know, I didn't know about the split, you know, and I didn't know that Marty was saying and uh, those guys were leaving. So I ended up by getting booked for three shows with AEW and talking to Marty at the same time. And then I'm, I'm confusing, like I'm responding to 
uh, Cody in the box saying, like, I don't know. I just told Marty that I was not under contract with anyone. Like, why didn't you just ask him? Because now it's confusing. You're confusing me because I, I'm talking to Marty, then I'm talking to you, and then I'm talking. <laughs> and then and it was just like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I've heard, like, after all, that something might have happened, but I thought Marty was going to be with them. So I was getting those texts from, from Marty. And uh, so eventually I told Marty, well, if they're really interested, you know, they're going to have to, to call. And then uh, so eventually they called and then they, uh, they said, after your your German tour, could you stop by, you know, at the office and then would like to have a chat with you. So, uh, I totally, like, uh, liked uh, Joe Goff attitude and, uh, Greg Gilgan, uh, Hunter, and uh, everything seemed to be, like, really, really cool for me, and then, uh, it was one of the, you know, greatest deal, uh, that I've made in pro wrestling, so I, I was, I was happy with you know, the push that they had promised me and they, they delivered on it. And I was happy with, you know, the money that they offered me mm-hmm. and they delivered on it and they're delivering still during the pandemic. And uh, I got like, a huge code of honor and a huge respect for, for that company. And, uh, you know, when I'm doing things like the marathon, like tonight, well, uh, I feel like they... They're, you know, I rub on them, you know, they, they're so dedicated and so up to the task that uh, it's, it, it just drives me to to be good because just being around them. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's uh, people that I respect tremendously and, uh, I, I know we were supposed to have like a great uh, 2020 and then the pandemic happened and then it screwed up a lot of plans. But uh, I think uh, it's, you know, getting it's good in a point where they'll be adjusting and uh, we'll be coming up, you know, on the back end will be very, very strong. That's, that's the feeling I've got. Oh, I think so. It's going to all come through here pretty soon, man. But uh, tell us about uh, coming in and debuting at Ring of Honor with uh, Villain Enterprises. It was a, a great debut. Uh, ECW Arena was like on fire. And, uh, and then, then it started like that. And it was like like that. Like, you know, year through, it was like uh, like huge... Uh, Pops and huge uh, ovations, and uh, I just felt like that I connected with the crowds and uh, the fans, and uh, it's just been cool for me. So um, I was re- really looking forward to compete with the other guys on uh, on live TV. So <laughs> I think it's just uh, you know, it's just. Uh, been put on the back burner for a little while and uh, I'm certainly hoping that that will be able to, to push through with that. Mm, mm, mm. 
And dude, uh, you know, you guys, you came in there, you teamed up with, uh, Marty and, uh, and Brody King. First of all, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on, uh, teaming up with Brody King for the main part. It's cool. Cause, um, uh, I, I love, I love Brody. That. I mean, uh, he's a, he's a real good dude. Uh, like me, uh, a straight edge, uh, you know, straightforward guy, and uh, he tells you when he doesn't like something, and uh, he tells you when you like something, and he's just straightforward, you know, you no know, hypocrites or anything, and uh, uh, it works hard, it works uh, solid, and he's uh, very talented. So for me, uh, the match was good because what happened is like on the indie scenes, we were like matched up against each other for Ola and then for. Uh, let's see, um, uh, the company in Toronto, uh, RMDV, uh, uh, FLQ, and, um, I just kind of blank on their name. Uh, I was there with Jeff Cobb and, and, uh, and Brody King. Mm. Sebastian is the promoter. I just, I don't know why I don't have that, that name right now. But, uh, anyways, you know, I've wrestled them in Bola, I've wrestled them in MLW uh, many times. So the chemistry I knew, because when you have a good chemistry wrestling each other, you know that if you team up together, the chemistry will be as good. So uh, it felt pretty pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I had success in the tag team division uh, with WWF uh, before, probably. So... Mm-hmm. You know, that was something that I felt comfortable, and I was like uh, really happy. We had that that run with NWA, and the, the Crockett Cup was so significant to me. Uh, the way that you know, <laughs> only four, four four teams had the Crockett Cup: uh, Dusty and Koloff, and uh, the the Road Warriors, oh. uh, Luger and Sting, and uh, me and Brody. So. That's kind of cool. That's great stuff, man. And, uh, you know, tell us real quick on, you know, March 15th, you know, you and, uh, and Brody and the, uh, villain enterprises had been to a lot of tag matches. You know, you came in tagging up and then, uh, on March 15th, uh, you guys took the belts, man, and, uh, took them home and how'd that feel to get those belts? felt great. You know, uh, I knew deep down and in my mind, I, uh, I wanted to get the, uh, the world title belt. Uh, that's what I wanted, but uh, it was just like a, a building, you know, building the, the stuff, and uh, I was really happy with it, and I was really happy with the match. You know, we wrestled the Briscoes on many occasions. And, uh, uh, a, a great and, team in the Briscoes, by the yeah, way. A great competition an, for you guys. What an awesome team! Yeah, so talented, so smart, so so much ring savvy. Like. Uh, we, we we can't put them over and off, you know. They're they're right up there, and they're the best in the world. Well, you know, if that wasn't good enough, the next night I think it was on a TV Ring of Honor. You know, yeah. Villain Enterprises as a six man takes the six man tag team championship of Ring of Honor, man. And uh, you know, there's not a lot of a six man since baby back in the NWA days so it's cool to see a six-man tag team title man and that was must have been cool like one night you win the tag belts the next night all three of you go over and take the six-man tag team championships 
that was a plan to push villain enterprises. So, you know, so, uh, you know, I was even hoping for Marty to get the world title or the TV title, like, uh, where, where we, we thought, you know, that if we could get all the belts, the pure title wasn't back yet, back on yet, but, uh, uh, you know, to have the belts between the three of us, I, I thought that would have been cool, you know, to build up the franchise. But uh, no, they they did they they were up to their words and uh, they did some great stuff with us. And, uh, the guys who had worked with us were also super great. So it just been like very good. It was a cool time to see. Very successful year for for me and Ruby. Oh man, uh, you guys, you and Brody, you and Marty, you guys had a really great start to that year with Ring of Honor. You know, you finally, you know, it looks like you guys dropped the belts at uh, a, a co-show with Ring of Honor in uh, New Japan. Um, you know, you drop it, uh, where's my notes here, and uh, drop the belts there uh, at Madison Square Garden. You may have dropped the belts at Madison Square Garden. But how cool was it to be in Madison Square Garden? I'm assuming you probably wrestled there back in the day when you were with WWE. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it felt like really cool this time around because uh, I felt like I had like one of the greatest ring entrants ever <laughs> produced for 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 a wrestling show. I I thought like uh, it was totally not the same as Vince. It was really ROH itch and. Uh, it was done very, very cool, and the crowd was totally into it. Like they would chant my name for eight, ten minutes, and uh, and also like uh, made sure that I'd steal the show with a power bomb on the cement floor. And, uh, that 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 made that that made you know the beginning, the entrance, the electric chair, and then I mean the belts and the ending or the uh, setup on the power bomb up from the inside out on, on the cement floor and just setting up and going back to failure. Uh, those moments made uh, that night very, very special for me. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And is a, you know, I'm a fan, but asking you as a talent, wrestling in Madison Square Garden, is it uh, second to none? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, everybody says if you can make it in New York, you can make it, at, you know, anywhere else or everywhere else. And uh, and I really appreciated the uh, uh, Bula Ray uh, speech uh, for the <laughs> Madison Square Garden where he gathered all the boys together. He said, congratulations, everyone, because whatever happened tonight, you made it to the dance. And, and it was the first time ever that I heard such a cool speech like that. You know, like <laughs> whatever happened, you've made it. You know, you're, you're there. You're performing at MSG tonight. And I thought that was so cool. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've got tremendous respect for, for this guy, Bolivari. So, so smart and so knowledgeable and uh knows so much about this business uh is is a guy that i i can't i can't say enough good thing about 
good things about him. And uh, and then on another point, you know, uh, one of my favorite uh, agent that I had for me was like, just especially for my match, if, if I could have an agent for <coughs> for all my matches, let's say for whomever organization or for Ring of Honor, but, you know, if everything could work out, like, pretty smoothly where there wouldn't be no uh, fights or arguments or whatever with other people in the company, but I will say that as a agent or producer, Joe Mercury was a king. You know, uh, it's just too bad what happened with the company because I really loved his brain. Uh, he could read in my character because he had worked a lot with Taker previously. And he would just come up with super great things. And uh, it's just so, you know, kind of so sad that uh, things aren't working out, you know, and uh, so hopefully maybe one day, I don't, I don't know how things are going to turn out to be like uh, everybody, you know, changes or have a second chance, second chances here and there. So we'll see how things evolve, but as talent, uh, I will never deny that strength that he got. He's, he's, he's awesome. Hey, do you remember a, a couple shows that ring of honor came out here back to the Northwest and did uh, one in Kent, Washington at the Showware center. And then, uh, down in Portland, it was like a Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. Uh, do you remember, uh, those shows? I think, uh, first night you had a, uh, singles match against, uh, one of the Briscoe brothers, if I'm not mistaken, Jay Briscoe. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next night you guys went to Portland. I think you were in a tag match, but uh, I was supposed to be at that one in Shower Center. That that place is not even 15 minutes from my house, man. But yeah. I had my tickets ready to go, and then I got a call to do a uh, live podcast with another local wrestler in Bremerton oh, at yeah. a uh, brewery. So I had to take advantage of that. So I wasn't able to go down there that night. But and, uh, do you remember your uh, trip back to the Northwest? Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I think one match was against Haskins, and the other one was against uh, Jay Briscoe. And uh, I remember Seattle was uh, probably my biggest lineup ever for merch. I mean, they were like <laughs> lined up like crazy, and uh, <laughs> they they were so responsive to PCO. Uh, of course, I'll I'll remember that for forever. Both Portland and uh, Seattle. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. I think my man Manny, who actually seen you, I think WrestleMania weekend when when you were doing some shows out there a couple years ago. He's my my good friend down here. We go to we 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 see each other at wrestling shows, and uh, I think he came up and got a picture with you at that Ring of Honor show, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, man, I wish yeah, I could have been be. there, but I had an opportunity to do an op uh, live yeah, podcast. Of course, of course, <laughs> totally get it. Totally get it. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, you had a good run with the tag belts. You lost those at Madison Square Garden and that uh, 
multiple man match. Uh, you, you guys, like you said, you went and took the Crockett Cup and the NWA tag belts. Man, a lot of tag team stuff going on. But then uh, we eventually got to a contenders uh, tournament in Ring of Honor where, uh, dude, you really uh, kicked uh, a little bit of bootay in there, man. Uh, you yeah. what? Tell us about the contenders tournament. Yeah, that was awesome. I was supposed to uh, go against uh, Bandito, and Bandito got injured, and then I, I think the perfect like uh, storyline just appeared, you know, organically with me against Marty, and it was such a good match, and uh, the way that everything uh, unfolded, the uh, Brody and the flip and trying to interfere. Uh, the reunion in the end. Yeah, it was so cool. So cool. Um, the whole tournament, like, it was very well done. And uh, hats off to Marty for this match. Yeah, you defeated uh, Kenny King and then Dalton yeah. Castle. And then, like you said, your, uh, you know, partner in Villain Enterprises, uh, Marty Swir Swirl, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you went on on December thirteenth, I think it was, if I'm yeah, exactly. if I, if I wrote my night. stuff down correctly here, uh, the yeah, final Friday battle night. against yeah. Rush. Man, tell us about that. Tell us about No Rules Friday the Thirteenth Massacre, and your thoughts. Your championship at fifty-one years old. You took a world championship in professional wrestling, my friend. Yeah, that was awesome. That, that was uh, that got me really, uh, really on the, uh, you know, uh, emo emotion wise. You know, it was like uh, pretty sensitive because uh, I had worked, uh, you know, for thirty years in order to get that spot, and that's something I never quit on. You know, and that's something that I always uh, envisioned and visualized, and. Uh, always knew that it would have been one way or another and uh when it did uh present itself to me it was uh so rewarded and it was so worth it and, uh, like i said i'm just uh not satisfied with uh the ending and uh, the way that uh you know we're i just wanted like to to be a drawing machine for Ring of Honor. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I haven't delivered that yet. So, I mean, the crowd is behind me and things like that, but I just want to put people on the stands and uh, I just want people to, you know, go there and watch the monster and have fun. Well, dude, you went on and you had a couple title defenses from there. You had defeated Rush against by DQ. And then uh, defeated uh, on February 28th at uh, Bound by Honor. Uh, Dragon Lee, another good title defense there. You know, how did it feel compared when you come out as just, you know, not just PCO, but you're not the world champ, right? How is it different coming out as that compared to you got the strap around your waist? Did it feel much different or was it just, you know, yeah. same old game for yeah. you? Same old game, but uh, it's a good feel. You know, it's a good feeling. It's uh, something that I I liked, and I was hoping that was going to last longer. 
and uh, it's just my responsibility to make think to make to make the uh, decision maker attain that piece of piece of should have that title on him. So it's uh, it's just my responsibility to find ways to make that, and uh, uh, that's what I'm working on. That, that's uh, I want to I want to deliver for the honor. I want to. So I'll place, I want to back, uh, you know, arenas, and uh, that's, that's the, the main goal. You know, and then you finally, uh, you know, then on February 29th of uh, 2020, getting close to the end of a wrestling, you know, and the pandemic kind of hit, uh, you know, Rush somehow defeated you and uh, Mark Haskins for the belt, took it back. Very uh, disappointing for me. I was hoping to see a long run with uh, PCO, but uh, yeah. dude, what what did your family and friends think of PCO at fifty one, fifty two? We talked about a little bit earlier, winning the championship of the world in a wrestling promotion, the way you did. Yeah, it, it was cool, and uh, I, I had done like a lot of the great talk show, you know, with crazy ratings, uh, Canada. And uh, all the major journalists, uh, they wanted to have like a a uh, title match in, in Montreal at the Bell Center and the you know eighteen thousand seats on like all sell out. And uh, well, pandemic happened, and the fact that I lost the strap, you know, right at the beginning of it, um, I didn't get to prove them that we could have done another all in. Uh, without being an all in <laughs> in Montreal, <clears throat> and uh, I think they don't know the drawing power of that city. And uh, I think once they uh, maybe they know, but they're not there in their plans yet. But once you know, momentum shifts for whatever reason, and they start thinking about it, I think they will do amazing crowd. And uh, that will be, uh, yeah, will be the beginning of something. Because Ring of Honor never basically ran Montreal or just a little bit of Toronto, <laughs> so they they don't really have like a solid uh, running uh, wrestling town. So uh, we'll see how everything evolves. Well, my man, just a few more, uh, you know, quick questions for you here. We got to get you hydrated we got to get you some food in you man you got to rest you got to get them feet like like fixed up you know but anyway <laughs> <I will. laughs> man I, i'm gonna I, i'm gonna get in a a bath full of the uh uh little cow there you know <laughs> <laughs> dude you gotta get yeah, gotta, that's gonna feel good we gotta get that body healed up for you my man but uh yeah you know really after is. The run after independent wrestling scene after Ring of Honor, which we just kind of broke down in a little bit of a hurry. I had some few more things here, but I kind of hurried it up for you a little bit. Um, here's the big question, my man: What's yeah. next for PCO? Well, uh, I want to run with with the title another time, and I, I wanted to make it like. Um, mean something even more than the first time like to really you know hopefully be able to be on different 
there's so many like great show uh, like Head Millet and Tom Bellew and uh, uh, my show in New York and in LA and uh, just just uh, L uh, gets on the map ROH as as a main uh, wrestling industry not just for the the wrestling fan the hardcore wrestling fan will know about ROH for sure but when when you go to border and they ask you uh, who you wrestle for and then you go ROH sometimes it's a bug you know and I want everyone to know what Ring of Honor I, I want Ring of Honor to transcend the wrestling fans and to be uh, to be known you know from from everybody and every guy from every walks of life and, uh, that's that's the main goal. Hopefully, we'll we'll have a timing together, uh, and uh, there'll be a plan uh, towards this this thing. Been a lot of amazing wrestlers at PCO that have held that, uh, or excuse me, of Ring of Honor, not PCO, <laughs> yeah. um, that have held that uh, amazing world championship. You know, the one that I think of most recently, besides yourself, is uh, Cody Rhodes. You know, he took that belt and I think elevated it. You know, he took it around to independent wrestling shows and said, I am the Ring of Honor championship. You got to recognize this promotion. And I, I think it elevated it a little bit more than it did. Uh, we also have, you know, past Samoa Joe, CM Punk, those kind of guys. And uh, it's great yeah. to see Ring of Honor doing what it's doing. But yes, sir, I would like to see it, you know, get elevated just a little more, man. They got great stuff yeah. there, man. Great stuff. If you watch the weekly show on Fight TV, you know, it, it, there's some great stories going on there. Ring of Honor's doing well. Impact's doing well. You know, if you're a WWE fan, that's great right now. AEW, there's a lot of uh, bigger promotions right now, plus the independent scenes, man. What's your thoughts on all this wrestling we got as fans these days? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's crazy, uh, to be able to, you know, to, to dig into that bank where, you know, you get to see, uh, AJ and, and those, all those great names of Kevin Steen and El Generico and, yeah. uh, to see them mix it up and, and uh, because when you look at it, basically more than half the rosters of both companies, AEW or WWE, more than half the roster are been <laughs> uh, coming directly from ROH. So you know that this company knows how to build up talent. So uh, I don't care who you look at in WWE, uh, probably been with ROH. And uh, same thing, those top guys, the Box and Cody and Omega, they all have been with ROH and plus many others. So uh, uh, it's, it just shows that the depth of, uh, you know, what they can do and the talent that they've got and how they can create uh, super great talent over the time, time after time after time. All right, my man, uh, let's get to it here, the final 
couple things. We got to get you uh, get you hydrated. We got to get some protein in you. But anyway, man, uh, where do we find PCO merchandise if we want to order that and have it delivered to us? Yeah, uh, I've got like uh, a shirt that you can order at uh, Ring of Honor uh, by the Pro Shop on Twitter or uh, our Ring of Honor uh, Wrestling.com. And uh, I've got also uh, most of my merch uh, going through uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, so PWTs. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on every social media platform, PCO Justice, uh, every Monday night uh, around 8 <laughs> and uh, 8, 8.15-ish, 8.30. <laughs> it depends because now we're, we're watching and we we're having a party with the, the pure tournament. So from seven to eight, I'm totally busy. So that's why it goes to eight fifteen, eight thirty. But, uh, <laughs> it's cool too. Cause everybody's trending and then uh, it creates a fan base for me to just hop on the, the next project. So which is cool. And also it creates a, a, a great buzz for, for the pure wrestling tournament. And, uh, and that, I, I, I thought that that, the way they produced the show, uh, I thought it was incredible for a no crowd show. They, it was a very NHL style, big giant screen, uh, not too far away from the ring, and uh, filming close up, you know, not too far away from the ring. I, I thought they, they delivered a fantastic performance. Uh, Mark Davis, and Mike Brown, and all those guys uh, were absolute genius. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, looking forward to the October series uh, and the December series. We'll see how it goes. I was going to ask you final thoughts, but you basically just broke it down right there for each and every one of us that listen to this podcast. PCO, thank you so much for your time tonight. I know what you've been through in the last 24 hours, and you still made time for me. <laughs> And uh, my good friends, all the wrestling fans tonight here up in the Pacific Northwest, man. And, uh, dude, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate what you do, appreciate what you are. And, uh, man, just keep doing what you do, man. And uh, I will ask you this once. Any final thoughts before I hit the button tonight to end the show? No, uh, just, uh, just just keep, keep uh, an eye on PCO because you never know what's going to pop out. You know, whatever the video or some sort of, you know, marathon or whatever it happens, but uh, you won't let you indifferent. You know, it, it, will, it will create something that is going to make you go wow. And uh, so just keep an eye on him and uh, at PCOs that you win on every platform and social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. And, uh, I'm glad that we had the chance to do this one more time. And uh, you've been a fantastic host with, with great questions. And uh, it's been a blast for me, even like, uh, <laughs> I, you know, coming up of the, this incredible marathon, uh, I had like uh, an absolute great time. And, uh, your your questions are you know on point and everything, and uh, I truly appreciate uh, our you know 
friendship over over time. It's just not <laughs> best of, we're not best of friends, but I feel that we're connecting when we talk to each other, and uh, that's huge for me. Well, uh, I appreciate that. We definitely are, man, and I appreciate you so much. I respect you so much, what you've done in this business, what you're still doing in this business. Uh, you know, you give back to the fans. You're, you know, not just me. You know, I see you each and every day interacting with the fans that you, you tweet out and people get back to you and you get back to them and it makes people feel great. It makes people feel that they want to support you. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to let you go get, you know, fixed up tonight, get those feet fixed <laughs> up, get your food in you, get your water in you and PCO. Thank you so much, my man. And, uh, hopefully sometime, I can see you in person again, man. I appreciate you. I think you have a, a friend and a brother, and uh, you take it easy tonight, my friend. All right. Thank you so much. This episode recorded at the Bigfoot headquarters. This has been a Swagamore production production.